Yes, lads, what is going on? And welcome to season four, episode three of The Running Irishman. In this episode, we are joined by Paul Robinson. Before we get into talking about Paul and everything to do with this episode, I do want to apologise. This episode was meant to go out last week, last Thursday. Um, but obviously, I'm in sixth year now and kind of school and life just kind of got in the way of that. It came Wednesday night and I was like, oh, crap, I don't have a podcast, uh, the podcast ready to go out on Thursday. And I said, you know what? I'll leave it, I was going to post it on Sunday, but then I thought it just felt like I was just throwing it out there, and this is a really great episode, so I feel like, you know, it, it had the right to put this episode on the on the day that's usually supposed to, so um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly um, brush over that. As I mentioned, do, we do have Paul Robinson in this episode of the podcast. Um, this podcast was meant to happen uh, a while back, but you know, obviously, just, just like the episode last week, kind of life and competitions and running got in the way of that, and then look, I was more than happy to have Paul on the podcast. Um, you know, a bit later in advance because it was a really, really great episode. If you don't know who Paul Robinson is, um, Paul Robinson was, uh, one of the athletes in the incident with. Well, one of the athletes with the incident with Sean Tobin jump jumping across the line, um in the All-Ireland 1500-metre final, who then became the All-Ireland 1500-metre champion. Um, we also mentioned this with Sean Tobin in that episode of the podcast, if you want to go check that one out as well. Um, Paul, uh, along with being uh, the previous 1500-metre All-Ireland champion, he also has a 145-800-metre, a 335-1500 and a 354-mile. Um, that that mile gave him the under-20... Um, Irish record and also the 1500 meter under 23 Irish record so he is a really really great running resume he's a really really sound lad he's also suffered with a lot of injuries in his time that's led to some inconsistencies in his running that we do dive into so make sure to stick around for that it's really really relatable to me at the moment and he did really give me a great insight on how to you know deal with and get over injuries so yeah i do really appreciate that so without further ado i hope you all enjoy this episode of the podcast with paul robinson and roll the intro Boy. Yes, lad. What is going on? My name is Amy O'Donoghue. People call me Dr. Josh. <laughs> My name's Lewis O'Loughlin. My name is Is O'Donnell. I'm Charlie O'Donovan. I'm Abdullah Joe. I'm Scott Fagan. I'm Mark Henry. My name's Cormac Dalton. I'm Paul Byrne. I'm Mike Morgan. More than a runner. The Irish Hammer. My name's Brennan. I'm Brian Bay. It's Dash Bar. I am a triathlete. Craig Engels. Cheryl Nolan. Sean Dunham. John Rankin. We got 10th at the World Championships in 2019 in Doha. I'm doing great. Just happy to be on the podcast. I'm a Man, I'm a man United fan. Let's get into this episode of the podcast. Yes, lads. So we are here with Paul Robinson. Uh, Paul, I do really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the podcast. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Um, as usual, I'll let you take it away and uh, give a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Um, well, Killian, thanks for having me on. Uh, I know we were supposed to kind of do this at the at the start of summer, but uh, obviously just with the with the summer athletic season coming up, I was I was a bit busy, so I. I uh, I'm glad to be on the show now. Uh, I think it's always great to be uh, seeing um, podcasts or or media about our sport. And in fairness, you know, uh, listen, I, I love athletics, and I I follow a lot of the a lot of the podcasts and a lot of other podcasts. So it's great, fair play to you. Uh, appreciate you having me on. No problem. At um, all. Yeah. So a bit about myself. I'm uh, obviously I'm a 1500 meter runner. Uh, I'm 30 uh, years of age now, so I've been on the scene for for quite a while. 
Um, I would have started athletics when I was maybe four or five, um, and then probably took it really seriously when I um, obviously would have done all the underage, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the, but really would have took it really serious once I kind of just finished the junior ranks under twenty, um, and when I started college, uh, then obviously I was lucky enough to kind of be able to kind of go professional um pretty much early on in my career and would have based myself uh in Australia and, and the United States and stuff like that, training with the Melbourne Track Club. Um and obviously kinda had um would have had pretty good success for where I was at early on in my career and then obviously just with the rootlessness of the sport just was uh just became kind of very injury prone. So kinda in my late twenties I kinda spent just trying to get back on track and then in fairness although I didn't make the Olympics this year um, I probably got back to some of the best run I, I had been doing in a long time um, during the indoor season and kind of the summer before that when, when COVID hit so um, yeah I'm still just trying to just to kind of get back on, on the main circuit and uh, you know things go on there'll be more competitions to go for to aim for next year so Definitely. as I was saying to you before the show um, I'm just coming back from Achilles tendinopathy uh, injury which uh, anyone who has Achilles problems know how uh, tedious and uh, and uh, just they're just they're just an hor- a horrible injury to get 100%. over so I'm just, I'm just I feel like I'm nearly out the, the end of that so uh, so that's good and I'm back doing a bit of training at the moment um, but as I said to you things are kind of fairly quiet on the competition front for me and there's no real kind of stress uh, to get back anytime quick so I'm just focusing on rehab and yeah. focusing on a uh, cross train and stuff like that so uh, yeah that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at and yeah perfect yeah no brilliant so we'll uh, we'll kind of chuck back a little bit get back to kind of the start of your early days of running because obviously yeah. you know you've had ups and downs with injuries but overall um your your, your running career is is nothing it, it it's it's kind of you know it's not to shy away from in terms of the 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 kind of races and the high caliber races that you've been in. So we're kind of just gonna go back to kind of where it all started. So you were telling me um you know before the show that you know you were doing running uh up to about fourteen fifteen and then you stopped and went back to soccer and then you you got back into it at sixteen. So kind of what was what was the top process behind all of that? Well, uh, like I said, I, I would. Uh, my my dad was the local uh, coach in the local athletics club here, so obviously running <clears throat> would have been a big uh, part of my family. Like my dad was mad into it. My brother was an all Ireland schools champion, um, so there would have been you know running was pretty much a a big sport in the household. But we we I would have done all sports. Uh, yeah. So up and, up until about you know up until about fourteen or fifteen, I would have been running, playing ga, swimming. Uh, playing soccer they were kind of the four main things that I was doing and then obviously I wanted to be as I think a lot of young lads want to be I wanted to be a professional footballer that's what I wanted to do and my cousin Ken Kulduff he actually went on to score a couple of goals in the Europa League and my other cousin Mark Langtry was playing um, just breaking into the Shamrock Rovers senior team so for me you know looking at those guys that's kind of what I wanted to do you yeah. know and around that time I would have been playing um for the other representative team in Dublin, the NDSL, so not not the DDSL, it's the, it's the Breffner League. And yeah. We had a representative team that went down to the Kennedy Cup, which is a huge competition under 14 and under 15s, you know. So that was the first time I solely went and, and concentrated on one sport. 
And obviously, listen, you're so you're so young at that stage, and you probably put a lot of pressure on yourself. And when you're not maybe getting these trials that you're, you know, to go to go to England or anything like that, I just kind of just probably think at the time I just I was fairly big for my age when I was when I was very young, and then I probably didn't take a growth sport until I was about seventeen, eighteen again. So around that time when I was fourteen and fifteen, I was playing kind of center mid, and things just weren't going my way. And then you kind of find yourself kind of drifting out with teams and sitting on the sidelines a lot, which to me I, I couldn't handle. I didn't want to be doing any of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're forty, fifty, you want to you want to just be playing. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. So so then. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, listen, I'm just going to go back running again. I just couldn't handle not being able to, at least with running, I was like, I'm always going to get a chance to race. Like Definitely. no one can tell you not to run. Yeah. And then um, that year, I think, so that was, I, I would have stopped at about 15, 16 with the, with the, with the football. And then I just went and uh, I think I won the, won some indoor All-Ireland when I was um 16 and then just didn't look back since then, you know, and uh, yeah, just loved it, just fell in love with just how, uh, you're solely responsible nearly for your own performance you know no no one can no one can control what you're trying to do that was kind of what hooked me what I felt like what I got into the sport or what I put in and the training and everything that I put in I would always be able to be accountable for my own performance so I, I kind of love that you know yeah 100% and as you said there like within running there's you know obviously you have to qualify for kind of the big caliber races but during the course mm. of the year um you'll always get races in and there will never be someone to to tell you that you can't race and obviously what you yeah. put in you'll get out as you mentioned and I, I think it's I think it's easier to accept as well like you said you, you, like if you don't qualify a race at least you can just say oh I wasn't good enough yeah, Do you know what I mean whereas like at least in, in, in football and stuff like that it all comes down to just what the manager's opinion or people's opinion yeah. at the end of the day it's, it's all it's all opinion on who they think is good Joe. definitely so yeah you you could be the star player on a team and everyone else around you isn't pulling their weight so mm. you don't get where where you want to be. But um, yeah. obviously within running there is sort of a team element, especially when it comes to cross country season. But it predominantly you know you're doing it for yourself in a sense, and you'll always get something out of it um, with your team or individually if you're putting the work in. So in terms of putting in the work at a young age, you know, and start taking running seriously, when when was that moment where you're kind of like, right, I'm actually, you know, pretty good at this and I could, you know, actually do something with this? Yeah, so like, um, look, looking back on it now, like I never really knew about, uh, like obviously the All-Ireland schools was, was a huge thing when you're in school and, and pretty much just the, uh, the cross country, like you said, we we would have had a great kind of team, uh, underage team. So we would have won, you know, uh, I think at least five team cross club cross country championships in in my club for yeah. my team. You know, so uh, there was a great camaraderie there and stuff like that. And but I never really took it really seriously. Like I would have never known what my times were or what like who who was good or anything like that until I kind of won my first All-Ireland and then I kind of started realising, okay, what's a good time? But I never, I qualified for the European Junior Championships in 2009. That was the first year that I started like trying to run standards, you know? Yeah. So before that, like I was never really, you know, there's no re- need to try hit a time because you can't qualify, there's no, there's no there's like no, under yeah. 15 European Championships or whatever. No, so yeah. I was kind of going, so when I, when I got into my leaving cert year, that was when the European Juniors were on, and uh, you know I think the standard at the time was three fifty one, and that was like a big thing for me to try get this standard, and that's when I started like taking it really kind of serious and really kind of training that, that, and I kind of moved away from my dad as my coach when when it, the year before that, and I was being coached by Rob Denmead, 
and he was brilliant. He coached Colin Coslow to win the European Junior Championships in, in 2006. So we ended up having a great relationship then for the next probably, you know, seven years, I think it was. Um, and then from that point on, I, I ran 3.46 that year. I went to the European Junior Championships. And then the next year was the World Juniors. And I took a year, I finished my leaving cert and I took a year out. I didn't go into college and I went away and started trying to like tr- train professionally what I yeah. thought was at the time. <laughs> uh, looking back now, it was gas, but like just, just applying myself was, uh, I was just, I went up to like train in, in Fontainebleau and then I started kind of getting into better races. And then when I made the world junior final in 2010, that's when I kind of started my relationship with Nick Bedeau being my agent and I was able to kind of get into to a lot better races and stuff like that. And then obviously when I went down to uh, Australia in 2012 with David Campbell, who was also in, in, in my club and he would have been a, a sub four minute mile and ran 145 for 800 meters and went to the world champs. Um, so he put me, he put me in touch with the group down there and we went down together. And, you know, when I went down there, I was trained with the likes of Ryan Gregson, who yeah. was, uh, you know, and who would run 331 when he was 20 and I was only 19. So I was going down and he, he like that guy was the man back yeah. then, you know? Yeah, nice uh, man. He, uh, so he would have been the guys that everyone was, would have been following on flow track and stuff like this. He was absolutely phenomenal. So to go down there, it was just like, Oh my God, you know? Um, and then obviously Collis Birmingham was there um, two-time Olympian and then there was just there's just loads of really good proper professional runners down there that were just able to show me the ropes how to apply yourself you know just how to approach training and stuff like that and I learned a lot really quick um, and then yeah my career kind of took off really in 2013 after spending a year with them and that's when I uh, ran 3.35 when I was I think it was 22 ran 145 that year Um and then the next year was the European Champs when I when I finished fourth. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the kind of breakthrough of how I kind of really started trying to take it serious and really tried to establish myself as like a you know a proper proper fully fledged professional runner. Yeah, you mentioned like at the start of the, at the start of the episode where you mentioned you know when you were younger you 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 know like most you know young boys James to be a professional footballer but then mm. kind of when you started taking running seriously what was the point where maybe you know you were when you maybe when is when you start training you know with the likes of Brian Gregson and start really applying yourself to the sport when was the moment maybe it was a race that you got into a race that you done well and we were like right I want to make this a profession like uh, was it always something that was on your mind since you started running or was it just when you start applying yourself to the sport um no, like, like in fairness, when I when I kind of made the European Junior Champs, uh, like like I said, I would have been watching these guys on on Flow Track, you know, yeah. and I would have been what there was another guy called German Fernandez. Now his career obviously didn't t- take the same trajectory as, as as Ryan's did, but like German was an absolute freak as a as a he was a would have been a year older. I mean, he was running all the American high school records over a mile and two mile, yeah, and then. Um, yeah, I, I would have just been seeing all these guys uh, at, at major championships and just been like, that's that's what I want to do. You know, I was I just thought it was amazing to be able to kind of make that as your livelihood. And I, to be honest, I, I wasn't really until I went to Australia that my mindset really, really changed because uh, over, I feel like in Ireland, um, you know, we love sport in Ireland yeah. um, and stuff like that, but we're, we nearly kind of love it as, as fans. And when you say to somebody, I feel like here that oh, if, if someone asks you what you do for your profession, you tell someone, oh, you're a professional runner or you're a professional footballer or something, they just laugh at you because they don't think it's a real job. Yeah, you know I know what, what you mean? mean. Whereas 
down in Australia, man, that's just that's just a given. Like they are, it's just a culture down there that like um, people come out of school all the time and try and make it as a professional runner or yeah. professional swimmer or hockey player, AFL, and it's a, it's it's put in the same uh, esteem as as doing anything else, any yeah. other profession. Um, whereas over here, I think we still have a big kind of hobby culture for our, our sports. And Definitely. that comes with funding that's pumped into all other sports that, you know, aren't as recognized as, as, the, as the household names, you know. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, something that we got to get better as, as a culture if, you wanna, if we really want to establish ourselves as, as a, a, a sporting nation going Definitely. forward, you know. 100% because, you know, obviously with sport, especially at a young age, it is it is obviously about having fun and whatnot, but then there comes a point where, you know, you need to be getting more, more you know, more, you know, kids and, and athletes in Ireland into the, you know, professional sports scene if we do want to end up, you know, representing the country on bigger stages because you see even, you know, in the Olympics and stuff kind of in, in Kenya, Uganda and some of the African countries where, like you said, over in Australia, it's nearly a given that, you know, people would try to be a professional athlete. So there's more, you know, there's more opportunity to, out with a bunch, pick out someone that will really represent your country on the, on the highest stage. And that needs to really be, you know, nearly drilled into some some students and some athletes over here that, you know, it is possible and it is a profession that you can actually pick up on just the same way you can be, you know, a teacher or a doctor. And then we'd probably end up going further in sports, you know, a, a, across the world. And then kind of in terms of, your first, you know, obviously not professional race, but the first time you picked up an Irish vest where things kind of start getting, you know, real and, and really good as well for your career. When when was that picking up your first Irish vest? Um, yeah, so that would have been um, the European Junior Champs in 2009. It was, it was held in Serbia. So I ran the standard in Irishtown when I was, uh, so I would have, in 2009 in May, I would have ran three, I think I ran 350, but my PB before that, I think it was 356. So I took, you know, I took a huge chunk of time off and I qualified and that was so exciting to make yeah. your first uh, your first uh, international but uh, it was funny because I went there and, I, and then I, I, I subsequently went on to run 346 before the Europeans so I, I would have been I would have been hoping to make a final you know um, now I was the year out I was a year uh, so I still had a year junior left yeah. so there's guys uh, David Bustos ended up winning the winning the 1500 and he I think he had around 339 340 so the standard was was pretty high but uh, in my heat actually we were running around I remember getting there and it was just a, it was just a surreal experience you know because any race before that the furthest I would have travelled for a race maybe a BMC in Manchester you yeah. know so, so <clears throat> I'm in Serbia Racing in about thirty-five degrees heat uh, oh. at night time in a big in a big stadium and there was a big crowd there it was really exciting and uh, unfortunately the race didn't go that well <laughs> I ended up getting uh, I ended up oh it's just a bizarre situation with five hundred to go there was a there was a bit of a shamozzle in the fifteen hundred which you know is a big learning curve and something I've seen many times after that the, the Europeans the fifteen hundred meters man it's it's a dogfight you know oh, it's yeah, a, it's absolutely it's it's a great race to watch you know especially a, at a championship race but to be in it is it's just it's nothing like running on the circuit you know the circuit's just getting in behind a pacemaker and, yeah. and and running as hard as you can. Championship fifteen hundred meter running is, is just insane. So there was all this fighting going on and pushing going on and then Henrik Ingebrigtsen, who's Jakob's oldest brother, yeah, uh, our eldest brother. He he uh, he was in my he was in my race, and uh, I think he hit the deck, and then uh, a guy immediately behind him jumped him, 
and then I went to jump Henrik, but Henrik was getting up oh, as I jumped Jesus. him, and, and and just as I jumped, I got a, a push on the back, and then I just absolutely scattered the ground, <laughs> and then I woke up. I didn't know where I was, uh, and then I obviously I finished the race, but didn't get. I, I I still to this day feel like I we should have put in a better appeal because the way things are going at the moment it was today. I'd hundred percent be true. Oh, 100%. But back then, back 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 then it was. Uh, <laughs> It was literally you're on your own, you know. Yeah, I know what you so, mean. So uh, yeah, listen, it was a it was a crazy experience, but uh, yeah, that was that was my first experience in a in a like a, a proper uh, as I would say proper kind of like championships. I would have ran some Celtic games and stuff like that, yeah. uh, some schools, internationals, and stuff like that. But like that was my first kind of, I feel like the first proper event t- that I made. Definitely, and uh, you know, kind of where where was your mindset after that race? Because obviously, you know. It, being your first international race, you know, people come out with that. If they didn't do so well, they'd be like, oh, you know, look, it was my first big international race. I'll take it as the experience and we'll move on to the next one. But maybe the fact that you were in a good position and you just got unlucky to get tripped over, mm. you know, where where was your head after that? Was it like, uh, were you down? Obviously, were you upset about it? Or were you like, right? Oh, yeah, listen, I was pissed off. I think I ripped my singlet off and tried to batter some French guy <laughs> in the in the in the call room afterwards. That's a fact. I think there's a picture of me losing my mind. But uh, I I remember having a conversation with Rob afterwards. Going, listen, man, we need to we need to re- I need to rectify this. So the only yeah. thing you can do is just lick your wounds and go back and train train better. And, and uh, I said to him, I want to be the first Europeans. I want to be first European at, at World Juniors home next year. That was yeah. that was the plan. Now it didn't work out. I was third. European, but I ended up coming ninth and 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 having Maybe. a really good run. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just stuff like that. It was just just yeah, fuel for the fire. Um, you know, I, I probably only realised more and obviously I wouldn't I would have never really thought about it back then. But obviously they're good attributes to have. But I I would I would have found over time one thing. Obviously that's kind of pretty apparent to myself is that I'm, I'm pretty resilient. No matter how things kind of go, how bad things are, how deflated you can get. Uh, you can always come back from a from a bad situation, you Definitely, know. So um, it might take a little bit of time, but you just if you keep your head down and keep working, you can you can obviously you can definitely get back, you know. And we definitely did see that, you know, five years later, from two thousand nine to twenty fourteen, in your mm. first European Champs for Ireland in Zurich, coming fourth in the final, was you know obviously being five years later. You know, you forget about races, you mature as Natalie and you're proven as Natalie, but then, you know, come back into, you know, probably, would you say this could have been your next biggest, you know, international international race between between 2009 and 2014? Yeah, well, in, in so in 2012, I made the European Senior Championships. Um, and the, so, the, so, but before, before I think 2012, the Europeans was every four years. Yep. Okay, so it was like it was like a it was a, nearly like an Olympic cycle, um, and then in 2012 it was the first year that they decided to do the Europeans every two years. Yeah. So they had it on the same year as the Olympics. Um, now that always tends to be a little bit nearly of a weaker year, especially if it's before the Olympics. The you Olympics, know, because yeah. people the, the the guys who are concentrating on the Olympics probably really won't go. Um, so um, I decided that uh, oh, obviously I qualified and I went over and I got knocked out in the heat I ran, ter- I ran a terrible race um, and again you know it's just one of these things that you just got to keep going you know um, you, you learn you learn your lesson I got knocked out in the European under 23 heat as well um, and then that was in 2011 in Ostrava 
So I kind of had two years where the major championships I'd got knocked out of. And then obviously in 2012, I ran a B standard for the Olympics, but obviously it wasn't good enough to go because Kieran Leonard had ran an A standard, which meant I, I couldn't go on the B standard. Um, so there was a lot of disappointment for maybe two years. Um, but then, yeah, in 20... And then obviously in 2013, sorry, I, I, I was ranked really high up in the European under-23s. Um, and I came fourth in the European under-23s as well. <laughs> um, and I got... I, yeah, I remember just coming into home straight and I got I got hit by, by two guys coming up to our... One guy, one Spanish guy coming up to home straight. And then we went to the European Cross under-23 championships and I had a really good run run that year uh, came ninth uh, individually it was a very good run but we came fourth again as a team <laughs> so I had two fourths and then uh, going into 2013 on the track there was uh, I went to the world champ, the world senior championships and again knocked out in the heat man and I, I was I, I still like at that time I'd ran I'd ran 145 and 335 under 23 so I'd, I'd really kind of broken onto the scene and I was kind of starting to win some good races on the, on the circuit. Um, and uh, I was thinking next year at Europeans, like I, I got to make the final, at least it has to be a final, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, thankfully uh, training just went really well. Uh, I didn't get injured, no, no setbacks, um, kind of didn't really race that much that year, kind of was smart in what I raced and stuff like that and really just tried to turn up... Uh, in Zurich and you know like for me I was ranked 18th actually going in there but I knew on times didn't, didn't really matter considering I, I knew I was able to kind of run 145 at least yeah. 145 if not 144 at that stage the way training was going and then uh, yeah got got there and just had a really good heat and then obviously fell a little bit short of the medals but you know it was an amazing run for me for me to get up for fourth so uh, you know like going, going forward that was that was huge for me you know Definitely. So, kind of coming forth is that fourth position kind of haunts you at night. I'd say. You know, after... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> after this, uh, listen, it's been it's, it's been a, it's been a sweet, but uh, it was Definitely. an amazing race to watch. You know, it was. Uh, I don't know if you ever ever seen that race, but it was absolute carnage. Uh, Kieran Liner took a fall. Two other Charlie Grice took a fall. Oh yes, two, yeah, yeah. Two other guys got wiped out at the bell, yeah. and then Benabad just had one of the most ridiculous. Uh, Finishes I've ever seen. Yeah. He, he absolutely he took the piss out of us. Uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. He ran twenty four seconds from four hundred to two hundred, then just start waving at the crowd for about one hundred fifty <laughs> meters. So still don't know how he did that, but it was just it was outrageous, yeah. Definitely. So um, hopefully you know. Then obviously you kind of you know recently enough coming into recent times when the mm. the European Championships indoor this year, um, yeah, that was this year, uh. Kind of, you know, the whole lead up of that. I remember watching the the micro meets in in Abbottstown in the indoors. Uh, it was kind of, kind of the, you know, return of athletics. Nearly, I'd say. Um, obviously, because mm. it was the Olympic year, they they kind of wanted to get some athletes, you know, a few races under the belt. So, in terms of the twenty twenty one European Championships, do you feel like going into that, you were, you know, obviously a better athlete overall? Were you fit? Were you fresh? Were you feeling good? And compared to the other times, you know, in Zurich um, on the European stage, how were you feeling? Yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, I felt, I felt, to be honest, like I felt that's the best, one of the best championships I've ever, ever went to just mentally and, and physically. I was, I was pretty good. Like I, after Zurich, I, I got a really bad injury where I, I had, you know, osteoarthritis in my, in my big toe joint. 
um, which led to a whole kind of spark of problems that just kind of sparked off my kind of nightmare of injuries, which I've had kind of over pretty much for a five a five year period from 2015 up until 2020. You know, there was kind of stop starts and there was glimmers of of kind of getting back and stuff like that. Um, but never really was able to kind of get back to the level I was at before. And to be honest, which Killian, like there was times during that five years where you know I would have. If someone had said to me, you're going to get back and you're going to make a European final of, of the calibre that was in, in Turun, yeah. uh, I, I, would have, I would have seriously doubted you because there was times there where I literally couldn't run. You know, yeah. I'd go I'd go six month periods without being able to do anything um, just, just with the injury nightmares that I had. So, you know, it was absolutely huge for me to get back. And I think, you know, uh, I, I kind of... During, during COVID, it was it was a great opportunity for me just to kind of be able to kind of reset where I had no had no championships uh, to try scramble to to make you know because yeah. because where we're at and probably you know because you're not comfortably always making championships and especially when you're getting back from from injury you know it, it can always it can always be that kind of cart in front of you where you always try kind of rush back and and you can you can kind of find yourself in a hole you know yeah no. So like in 2017, I, I I kind of got back to running 338 again. But like to be honest, 3, 338 doesn't really do much for you, unfortunately, yeah. in, in 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 the in European level. So you always have to kind of try get back and Definitely. get back to where you're at, which is literally at the moment is you know you got to be running 333, 332 if you want to be at that level that I was in 2014. But um, yeah, just during COVID. Uh, me and and Brian Fay and Andrew Coskin and, and Sean Tobin and all the guys in the Dublin Track Club, we uh, we just worked really hard and we kind of had a good vibe going and uh, we we went on a training camp or well like in in the COVID year in in the summer in 2020 when I got back to win the the Irish Nationals that was a big kind of step forward for me because I'd literally come off no training and I'd got about you know five or six months of good good solid training yeah. in and then I, I went on to run a couple of 338s and it was in pretty good shape and then uh, I was able to kick on then during that indoor season and we had a really good training camp in Portugal in uh, January and February and then I started running some some good indoor races and was it was able to compete again and I felt you know sometimes when you go to these European championships it's, you, you need to be at a certain standard but once you're at that certain standard it's all about how you kind of approach the race you know and that's definitely. one thing I've, I've definitely learned that you know you can go there and you can be ranked fifth but you can be ranked 15th it doesn't really matter it's about who actually performs on that day and I knew going in there I could definitely 100% put out a 340 run in the heat so I didn't care if it was going fast or if it was going slow I was going to run 340 and uh, <laughs> it turned out I ran 340 I, I didn't get an automatic qualifying, qualifying position but uh I um you know I managed to get one of those uh automatic or fastest loser spots and yeah then I was into a a European final which to be honest I followed a 1500 meter runner for the last 15 years and that European final was absolutely stacked you know we yeah. you go on to have the you know the Olympic champion in the race Jakob and then you have Marcin Lewandowski uh, Gomez uh, you had a couple of other Olympic finalists that didn't even make the 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 final um uh, then you had uh the Fontes, he made an Olympic final, he yep. was he was there, you know. So the thing was absolutely loaded. Um and in fairness, we listen, me and Andrew, I felt like we had good runs, but we, we didn't have great runs, you know. We made a couple of mistakes um that I felt we could but to be honest, 
again, just because just you're experienced doesn't mean you, you, you can't learn. And I learned that was my first real kind of, um, that was my first real season, to be honest, yeah. in my whole career that I had running indoors, which was crazy. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And the one thing I learned about indoors, you, you, you nearly always have to be at the front because you, you cannot pass guys on, no. on that track, yeah. you know. So uh, whether it's fast or it's slow, it's always better, I, I find, to be to be up the front Definitely. in the mix. 100%. And then kind of being up against, as you mentioned, like the calibre in the race, how stacked it was. Obviously, you mentioned you, you feel like you did make a few mistakes, um, which uh, even at this level in your career, you are still learning. But do you feel like, after that race, were you thinking, I can't compete with these guys, you know, I can, you know, maybe in a few years make an Olympic final? Yeah, well, listen, oh, 100%. Like, after that Europeans, um, I was um, thinking that there was there was no chance I wasn't uh, making the the Olympics. Like, I thought it was an absolute um, cert. Definitely. Um, but, uh, again, you know, we, we find that... Uh, running is absolutely rootless you know it doesn't uh, it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't always give you what you think you deserve or, yeah. or, or the work that you put in so like there was no question that I thought I was going to be able to compete again I was 100% sure that I was going to run a PBE again um, and then you know I just just got lucky just with, with what happened you know I kind of like during COVID I, I actually I I peeled back all my training made sure I wasn't going to get injured even after the European indoors I Decided only to do two sessions a week, not really push the body. Um, but to be honest, you know, maybe maybe because I'd missed so many years of that. To to be a good fifteen hundred meter runner, you just have to be. You just have to be nearly hardened. You need nearly have to have a season of races behind you. Yeah. Because the actual event is so tough that it, it takes a big toll on your body. And I probably just hadn't have, I hadn't had that. Um, that hardened conditioning of, of running fifteen hundred meters after fifteen hundred meters and being able to bounce from season to season and yeah. then just going into uh, and unfortunately for me uh, listen it was luckily that that COVID happened for me from my from my career because I definitely wasn't going to the Olympics in, in twenty twenty one hundred percent wasn't going I wasn't in shape and then obviously you get that little glimmer of hope um, that you're going to that you know that you might make it um, and then I, but it meant there was no qualifying period for me. I didn't have enough points from the previous years. And then obviously uh, going into it, I only had about a month or a five week window um, from May to the end of June. So it was very, very, very tight, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the way the points worked, I knew it was going to be very difficult for me to go on points. Definitely. So I, I pretty much knew I had to run 334. Um, so I was training very good. I was in great shape. And then I just... About three weeks, four weeks out from from my first race, I just got this niggle, and I tried to I tried to kind of take a, a bit of time off. But then you obviously can't take too much time off because yeah. you don't you don't fit. So you're trying to do your best, you're trying to manage it. And then just the first race, um, I was warming up in Ostrava, and I just I just felt my Achilles go in the warm up, and then I just was like, okay, what's the plan here now? So I went down to see Jared Hartman, and spent a bit of time down with him in Limerick. And I got it to a reasonable, uh, felt fairly confident that I was going to be able to race. And then, oh, it's just a different ball game between trace, racing and, and training, you know. In training, you're never really going 100% ever. Yeah. But in a race, you're, you're, you're going full tank. And uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't hold up. It was one of these things where I went to, uh, so I can't remember now, some race in Spain. And, you know, my Achilles just was in bits. And I, I wasn't able to walk then the next day after that. And it was just, that was, it was, it was the harsh reality that, uh, 
that uh, the dream was over. But uh, you know, it was it was a difficult pill to swallow. But again, listen, I feel like I've been in worse places um, throughout my career where there was points I, I literally never thought I was going to be able to compete at that level again. So for me, um, I, I kind of took uh, I took a lot from making the Europeans and being able to compete with these guys again. I'm feeling like you were you were able to run a PB again and uh you know with the fifteen hundreds you can you know like Max O'Sullivan ran three thirty three when he was when he was thirty four. You know, yeah. so it's a it's a it's a it's a that's why the event is, is is very competitive because you have guys who are twenty like Jakob absolutely killing it and then you still have guys like Marson Lewandowski who's still running a sub three fifty mile Definitely. when he's thirty four. You know, so it's just a, it's just a, such a it's you can come you can come at it from from both ends and it's a it's a, an event that you can definitely still run when you are when you're a bit older you know hundred percent it kind of just going back to the injuries themselves sorry kill it kill it I know we're live there but I literally just need to close this door I'll be back yeah, in two seconds no bother man take your time <laughs> this is my first time doing a doing a live podcast so it's uh, <laughs> no you're, you're different there's no problem at all yeah yeah yeah. So uh, no, no, we're good now. We're good now. Perfect. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, like, in, in terms of the injuries, you know, whether it was the ones that lasted for a really long time, or like, you know, maybe one that you the niggle you picked up with a five week period to get races in, you know, before the Olympics, and then eventually you weren't able to get maybe enough ranking points or score, you know, the a fast enough time to get to the Olympics. What what has kept you in the sport after picking up all these niggles for so long and missing out on, you know, maybe really big opportunities like the Olympics this year. What has kept you in the sport? Like, what's been in your head saying, right, you know what, I'm going to get through this injury again and get back fit. What's, what's kept <laughs> you to do that so many times? I don't know, man. Like, uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I think it's just resilience. Like, uh, like I said before, I just, I just know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at running. So I just, I know whether it's, it's six months or, or if I get a year, obviously the more time you get, the better you can be. But, I know. Listen, it doesn't take that much time for me to get back in good shape. So I think it's it's obviously a little bit easier to when you kind of get your head around that. Where I know, listen, if I'm able to start training tomorrow, let's just say like proper actual fifteen hundred meter training, yeah, I'll be pretty competitive in the indoors. Like so, for me, that's only around the corner. Um, but yeah, listen, don't get me wrong. You, there's times where you're, you're absolutely deflated, but uh, yeah. listen. I think it's just an addiction. You're addicted. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't matter whether <laughs> I hate running or whether I love running. Like I'm just addicted. Like I like oh, like when I finished and I knew this season I wasn't going to be able to go to the Olympics. So I was like, "There's no chance I'm watching any of that." This I knew I was probably going to run watch Andy run because yeah. I spent a lot of time with him or some of the other other guys on the Irish team. I would I would have followed my friends and stuff like that. But uh, I was like, "Nah, there's no way I'm going to. There's no way I'm going to be watching this whole Olympics." And once the Olympics started, I, I watched. I think I watched every single race. <laughs> you know, uh, just because I was absolutely addicted. And yeah. it was brilliant. It was. It was a great Olympics. In fairness, there were some unbelievable performances. Um, so yeah, like it's like I said before, just with a just a quote I kind of took early on in my career from Steve Peters, who who's a kind of pretty well renowned uh, sports psychologist. He's like. Uh, it doesn't. He doesn't care how motivated you are in the morning. Like you know, like if you get up and like let's say for tomorrow, I'm 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 going to be cross training. Yeah. Um, I'm not too excited to be cross training tomorrow, to be <laughs> honest with you. But uh, it doesn't really not matter how motivated I am to do it. But if you're committed, you'll get up and you'll do it. You know, yeah. and I think that's what kind of always kind of 
brought that was kind of one thing I took back from Australia. Like you, you gotta literally if you if you I feel like if you want to be really good in this sport, you have to view the sport as your job. So yeah. it's not it's not a hobby. It's literally a job. Like you can't wake up in the morning and decide, oh, you're not going to go to work if you're a postman. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a that's a great thing Nick Padone said to me. Like you you, you can't just decide I'm not going to turn up for a race because I'm not really feeling it. Yeah, Do you know? definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, if you if you view it as your job and your livelihood, uh, I think that'll put you in a lot better place. You know, hundred percent. And kind of uh, in terms of your injury that you had at the moment obviously you're kind of in the same boat as me with the Achilles tendon up yeah where, yeah you were just telling me that yeah yeah where, where are you kind of with that at the moment are you kind of starting back into slow runs are you nearly back into sessions kind of what's the what's the whole you know process yeah, yeah, with that so, at the moment so obviously you know like the tendon up rest rest obviously at, at the start you need to rest it to get it to a, obviously so you can walk yeah without being pretty sore so I literally got to the point where like I nearly couldn't walk you know yeah. um, and I was just in bits so I was kind of in a boot and crutches for a while and then once I kind of get out of the boot and crutches like you know you start to kind of like the, the rehab where you're kind of doing some calf raises or some isometrics just at body weight yeah. and then obviously you progress on to doing heavier weights and once you kind of feel like getting to a stage where you're kind of uh, you know you feel like you might be able to do some running on it then you just kind of stand back slowly so predominantly now I'm just focusing still really focusing on uh on rehab and so just being in the gym and, and doing those heavy isometrics and you know seated calf raises and all that sort of stuff and um, then i would be doing a lot of my kind of aerobic conditioning on a cross training but I'm, I'm back running maybe you know doing one or two runs a week Um, so you know it's good but listen as you know the things with achilles you know one day you think you're absolutely golden you think you're fixed and then the next day you know that first st- step out of bed is yeah. absolutely demoralizing so that's kind of i'm still i feel like i'm i'm not too far away just from past experience of having of having this injury like i've had it before um so i know i'm not too far away but again you're it's it's just it's just such a tricky tricky injury because you're trying to rehab it and strengthen it but you're also trying to let it heal yeah um so it's a very, very, uh, very tricky, tricky injury to kind of to kind of get right. So yeah, no, uh, definitely, I know you feel of the exact same one at the moment, and it's definitely, mm. it's definitely not nice. But hopefully, you can get back, you know, <laughs> jogging or uh, kind of yeah. start back into sessions as soon as possible. Um, obviously, you know, you didn't do things, you didn't get, you know. Much obviously the, the entire season this year was obviously there was a good few big diamond league races, but the main the main focus was on the Olympics. So while the Olympics was going ahead, were were you like out with niggles? Were you completely injured? Were you completely unfit? Or were you trying to pick up races wherever you could? No, no, I didn't run. Like I, I didn't run at oh, all. I you were, like, you were. I was, I was, I was rolled off. Yeah, yeah. Completely, I was pretty entire season. Yeah, yeah, I didn't race Jesus. one outdoor race. Oh, I raced it, and I—that's I, when I absolutely made bits of my Achilles. Uh, yeah, so no, nothing. So absolutely. Zero. So, <laughs> and since then, is it has it still been you know re- rehab and recovery or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was, that was that was that was that was June. So, um, I I would have took maybe a month off completely. Yeah. Um, and then I was doing. I've been running running now and then every every kind of just just following the rehab plan um so i'm back back running like 35 30 minutes here and there and then uh just doing a lot of stuff still on the cross trainer and stuff like that so it's, it's I'm, I'm i'm really still rehabbing at the moment and, and kind of focusing on that so then would you be you know having 
obviously at the moment with injuries, I know it's kind of hard. You're looking into just even getting back into doing runs and, and sessions. Yeah. But in terms of maybe cross country or indoor season, do you have your eyes set on anything specific? or No. Nah. Uh, from, from past experiences, you can't. Like if I say to myself, oh, listen, the only thing I have my eyes set on right now is being able to do some sessions. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah. if I can't do some sessions, uh, there's no way you're going to race. That stuff matters. Do exactly. you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, listen, looking at it realistically, I'm I'm probably not going to bother with cross country at all. I'd like to see uh, uh, in the back of my mind. I'm hoping I'd, I'd run the nationals in the indoors. That'd be nice. I'd be happy with that. Um, so yeah, but definitely, I, 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 I think I'll definitely be back for the summer. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but uh, yeah, back of my mind probably indoors, but literally just just taking my time. Just you know, I I I know from past things you, you can't rush the you can't you can't rush your Achilles yeah. back. Do you know what I mean it's it's just one of those injuries you just got to accept it. Um, as tough as an injury as it, as it is, it does. It's one of these ones that just one of these days it'll, it'll just. And the same with yours, Killian. You might think there's no way back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you might think every morning you get up with those first couple of steps that this thing is, and uh, you know there's no recovery. But I, I promise you, from from speaking to a lot of people who've had it, and you know the likes of you know Genevieve Lacaz who who went to the Olympics, she she was struggling with Achilles, has done her whole career. College Birmingham as well. They've all, and even Matt Ramsden, who kind of spent a time a bit of time with me in the summer, he's he's had Achilles problems, and it's just one of these injuries that just somehow they magically just go away when you keep doing the rehab <laughs> yeah. and, and, you, and you're just out the other end of it. But they are, uh, you know, it's a, it is it is a very tough injury to have. Definitely. You know, I think more so mentally, more than anything, because as I said, like some days you think you're fine yeah. with it. Some days, some days I think I'm 100%. And then, you know, I might just get a morning or two where I'm just like, oh my God, this is nearly as bad as it ever was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I it's not, you, you know, it's just, it's just healing. That's just the way it is. It's just stubborn. Yeah, definitely. A bit like, bit like myself, Killian. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. It is a very, yeah. very stubborn, um, very, very stubborn injury. And we kind of, you know, we come away from the injuries for a minute and kind of go back to maybe the the good old track days, um, back in twenty twenty, yeah. in um, you know, the fifteen hundred meter final, the iconic, the iconic dive at the line, um, <laughs> with Sean Tobin. You kind of, you know, I had obviously I had Sean on the podcast yeah, here. Yeah. Who came out on maybe the worst end of um of that race? <laughs> you came away with the win, obviously again with that iconic dive. So do you kind of want to just uh, talk us through that race? Uh yeah. Listen, that was a, uh, you know, it was it was a it was a huge it was a huge race. Can I even look back on it now? You you kind of realize how big it was because at that time, like that was the first race back. You yeah, know, um, people people were dying to race, and like even for me, like um. Looking back now, it was absolutely ridiculous. Like I, I, I had to move away from Kildare for two weeks, you know, yeah. um, just just with these COVID restrictions, and it was crazy. And uh, you know, it was just bizarre that kind of like the the three, the the two main guys that I would have would have thought were the real threat was like Andy and and Sean, and they they were two guys that you trained with the whole year, you know. So yeah. uh, it was mad, but we knew going in there. Listen. Once once we get in there, it's just every it's every man for yourself, Definitely. and you just have a have a good battle. And listen, Sean is absolute. You know, he's he's a very talented runner, and he's really, really, really tough runner to run against. So I knew it was going to be an absolute dogfight, and I think li- there's no other there's no other way to describe it. It was just an absolute dogfight. <laughs> yeah, it definitely uh, was. You know, it was brilliant. And I, to be honest with you, as I said to Sean at the time, obviously, you know, you you want to win, but Definitely. like it didn't really matter really because it was just, just such an iconic race that Definitely, I think people yeah. will, uh, will talk. And obviously, you know, I think it would have been obviously a lot better if, if, um, 
if there was maybe you know a, a full a full kind of senior Irish senior crowd there or whatever you know that yeah. you would usually get but the fact that it was uh, completely empty and it just meant everybody was watching it on TV and <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know like everyone seemed to be watching it that night and it was just I think it was just great you know it was a good it was just a good kind of like uh, advertisement for how good you know athletics can be you know and yeah. we try and need to have these matchup at nationals where the best guys are running against the best guys you know and that day like everyone was running the 1500 and it just turned out to be a really good race and um, I think that's kind of something we just need to kind of strive for and just make sure that, that we are actually presenting it because that, that that's listen that year, the race was only won in 3.43 so it was no it was nothing nothing crazy do you know what I mean yeah. but no one cared that was 3.43 everyone just cared about the battle you know, and that's that's literally what athletics is. It's just two lads laying it on the line, and uh, you know, similar to like a to a to a, a boxing match, something like that. You know, where you just had a matchup and literally two lads going toe to toe and just fighting it out, and yeah, it was it was great. You know, it was it was, it was sur- it's surreal kind of looking back at it now, just with the empty crowd and the COVID and everything. <laughs> yeah, get there and you know, on, still have a good laugh about it. But uh, yeah, it was it was great. No, I know what you mean, man, because, like, sometimes I'll be with my mates and I'll be telling them about running. They're like, man, mm. how do you watch running? Just people running in circles around the track. And then, you know, there's moments like that with you and Sean that need to be, you know, need to be put out on social media, that need to be broadcasted on the telly, that maybe, you know, you could have even one or two people just say that are watching it, that have never watched running before, kind of don't really have an interest in it. And then they see no, this. Yeah. And they're like, well, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll continue watching it. And then eventually they get into it and they get into running. And even if, as I said, if it's only one or two people, that's that's better than none. Do you know what I mean? Listen, at the end of the day, people just love seeing a race. That's you know? it, yeah. And that's why, that's why I think even looking at the Zurich Diamond League, uh, you know, everyone had to qualify to get there. Yeah. yeah. And then but we, we still have pacemakers and everyone's running for 30 grand. So no, no one cares about the pacemakers. Exactly. Just let people race. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So, like, we can get, listen, how how many guys do you know that go go watch horses racing against each other every day or dogs, Joe? Yeah, it's true. Like, it's huge industry. And we, are, we have people racing, We're, you know, proper Actual emotions. People. <laughs> yeah. so, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we can't, we can't get that out there as big as, as, big as these mean. other industries. But, like, literally, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most pure sports going, Joe. Yeah. Um, so, I think we just need to get back to just, just the simplicity of just people racing each other and... You know, I, I I don't think you go too far wrong with that. You you can't like there was there were so many good races at that Zork Diamond League. Do you know what I mean that just people were going across the line together? I think there was about four or five photo finishes of lads literally throwing themselves across yeah. the line. So and the same same with the Olympics. Like that's why the Olympics is so good because Definitely. it doesn't matter what has happened. It's like what's going to happen on that day. Yeah, and everyone's talking about who's going to win. Who do you think is going to win? And it's just it's just great. Definitely, and you know, as you mentioned, they're kind of with the Pacers, um, especially in the Diamond League, and especially in the, in the final in Zurich. You know, when when there's big money on the line, people are gonna go all out, and especially with it being most people's last race of the season, mm. they're kind of just gonna go all out and kind of having having Pacers in there for you know free racing over the course of the Diamond League circuit. It kind of does take away the the racing, the the race mentality within the races because obviously the pacemaker. Yeah, yeah. The pacemaker is there to do a time on the job or a job on the time. Sorry, and um, you know people, people and the commentators keep mentioning the pacemaker's time. What times he going through in? But then they're not, they're not looking at you know maybe the battle for thirds. They're not looking for the the battle in yeah. second. You know it just takes away that racing. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and then you have you have people who 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 are really good championship runners who they don't even bother really with the circuit because they know there's no point because they just get on it and it's an absolute hoover and a good run for them might be coming sixth or seventh. Yeah, you know what I mean, exactly. especially in the fifteen hundred. But it just takes away that purity. Like and he, and the best the best will still be good. Do you know what I yeah, mean? So 100%. like like a guy like Stewie McSwain, he's he's phenomenal, one of the best runners I've ever seen. And you know, obviously lucky enough to be able to see him train and be in the same group with him and stuff like that. The guy is an absolute freak. He doesn't need a pacemaker. No. John, he's the best. He's he's gonna be the best anyway. Yeah, he will, yeah. He just goes flat out, doesn't matter. And it's, that's the purity of it. I think that's why people love watching him run the same with Jakob, where he could run three twenty seven on his own, I reckon. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And those, so the so the best guys will still be the best. But it, um but across the board I think, you know, uh, and and for me as well, listen, I love it, Glex, but some races, people are right. It, it is boring watching, yeah, definitely. you know, watching a pacemaker who either messes the race up or goes too fast or whatever. I, I just don't think they need to be there. Okay, listen, there's times when 100% if we're going for a world record. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there needs to be pacemakers 100%. if we're going for a championship record. But, yeah. you know, if there's if there's, if there's there's prize money up for grabs and, and there is stuff to fight for, I don't think we need them. No, definitely not. And I think that's also represented when, you know, watching the Olympics this year where you've seen some of the best races of the year and none of them had pacemakers. I think that's yeah. representative of the fact, as you mentioned, you know, you had you have people like Joshua Chep, the guy over the course of the year, breaking world records on the track, who had pacers where there it's there and then yeah. it's acceptable where he's there yeah. to do a job which and, is and, and it's not it's not really boring either, because no. we all know beforehand exactly Chep the guy's going for the world record. You know, and yeah. we all we all know what's happening and it's easy and it's easy to, to watch, you know, Definitely, and we know yeah. what's going on. But like for the other stuff it's just like the championship ah. racing, yeah, it's mm. not always necessary. But look that that's here and there. We kinda you know, we'll have to see for for a few more years what they'll do there, if they'll, you know, yeah. end up kinda taking out the pacers for, for championship racing and kinda just keep them maybe for um, you know, pure time trials for world record attempts or uh, kinda see see what they do on the uh, on that front, but before before I let you go, um, Paul, I do have to ask you one thing. And and when you sent me this message, um, over Instagram, I was, <laughs> I was honestly surprised because over, you know, I've been I've been following you for for a good few years now, and I've honestly never never heard this. And actually, you were represented in the Guinness World Book of Records and for running yeah. a mile across the Antarctica and the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not I'm not even gonna ask how that comes about, and I'm I'm just gonna let you kind of take it away and talk about that whole situation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, it was it was just a it was just a crazy surreal experience, you know. So I uh, met uh, Richard Donovan, who who uh, runs the he owns the World Martin Challenge, and then he he runs these extreme marathons in uh, Antarctica and then also the North Pole. And I did. Uh, I remember he put on a, a street mile race down in Galway in 2009, and uh, I actually ran against Betwell Bergen down the streets of Galway, down <laughs> Shop Street, and we finished outside the King's Head, and it was class. Like a, I remember at the time going, "This is unbelievable," you know. And yeah. I was always for like, like I said, doing kind of doing a uh, doing different ideas with Eglex and trying to bring it to you know that that audience that don't really find track or they might find it a bit boring or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, so when we were flying down Shop Street, there was literally lads falling out, falling out of pubs, looking at us. Oh, what is going on here? But it was a great atmosphere. It was brilliant. It was addictive, you know. Yeah. And it was a great crowd. And then also uh, Richard put on a a mile in 2013. There hadn't been a a sub four ran in Connacht, and then obviously went and and I I ran 357 that day, 
and obviously me, me and Richard became kind of good mates and Richard started kind of helping me out just with a, you know, bit of funding and, and trying to kind of like just progress my, my career on and he was always really keen for me to do well. So I was very lucky that we kind of, we had this relationship and then we kind of got chatting, me and Richard, about, uh, you know, maybe doing a mile in Antarctica <laughs> and, uh, you know, I obviously thought this was completely off the radar because we started trying to do these kind of world relay, we trying to target the world relay uh, four by a mile record and we kind of gave it a couple of attempts and we, we weren't able to get it done. So then we just came up and at that time I'd, I'd been kind of struggling with a few injuries um, and getting back on, on, on track on the, on, on the, you know, proper track races, you know? Yeah. So just, uh, for a bit of fun, Rich is like, hey, wait, we try to do kind of some of these extreme miles and I was all for it, man. Like, I love it. Love, love going on adventures, love kind of seeing, seeing the world and doing, doing new stuff. And yeah. um, so I was completely down for it. So we, uh, yeah, just one day he rang me up and he was like, yeah, do you want to go to Antarctica to run a, to run a mile? And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, when are we going? And he was like, about two weeks. And I was like, right, let's go. So, uh, we went down, we set it up, and listen, it was just a, it was just a phenomenal experience. And uh, look, luckily enough, I was in a, I was in really good shape at the time. So I ran four seventeen on the snow in this uh, just, just unbelievable, picturesque kind of setting. You haven't seen the video, have you? No, I actually haven't. You can see it. So it's on my Instagram, but it's on YouTube as well. But the, the thing just went completely viral. It was just, uh, we caught it all on drone footage. Deadly. And, Oh, Antarctica! I didn't really know what I was expecting to go down there, but man, it was just, just absolutely nuts. The base camp where we stayed was just in the middle of this kind of like valley, and there's just mountains either side. Like it's landmass. That, you know, it's it's all completely covered in snow and stuff like yeah. that. But it, and it's absolutely freezing. But there's huge mountain ranges, and then there's like just massive. You know, it's just huge. I, I can't explain. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, no, you yeah, feel yeah. Like yeah feel like you're just so small when you're there because there's nothing around you. it's just fast like a, it's just a snow desert yeah. right and uh, yeah we just we just ran a mile straight down straight down just, uh, straight just, a, just a straight mile down a down a patch of snow and yeah it was just absolutely nuts so it turned out you know no one no one had ever no one ever had ran a mile in Antarctica <laughs> before so I obviously had the fastest one yeah. which was the world record so uh, yeah listen it was great to do it was something different 100% yeah I feel like yeah you know, something I was keen to do was just do something good with with, with fifteen hundred meter run and try bring your 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 ability somewhere else and maybe do some kind of road miles or or something like that. Just the, these extreme miles. Okay. So it's just a really fun idea. And you know, Richard's a great guy and he, he has some great ideas. So it's always fun to kind of bounce these ideas off from some some ideas that you think there's no chance of happening, <laughs> but some 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 way Richard's able to get them done. Which you know, Dude. he's an absolute legend. No, that that yeah. is that is unreal, and you you took the 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 question right out of my mouth. I was about to ask like, what what was the the world record? Had someone done this before, and you bet them, but obviously it was never done before. So, <laughs> no, you, you can't get <laughs> so you there, the yeah. fastest you one. Need on, you need to get on to Richard now. So we might have a bit of a monopoly on the on, on that one. We'll see what happens. <laughs> when, you never know. That is that is yeah. unreal. I've never. I'll, I'll make sure to to check the video out, and there's a I'll put a link down in the show notes for yeah. anyone else that wants to check it out. That is. That is unreal, and um, definitely. So I've heard of you know ultra like ultra marathons, a hundred k races, you know road road races. You know, um, there was still mm. a few few kind of the, you know, you saw in the Diamond League final, kind of the the five hundred and odd meter track out in, uh, out on the road. Yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. All, all that crazy yeah. stuff. But honestly, I, I've never heard anything as crazy as that. That is that is daily. That is unreal. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Listen, it's, uh, it could be something. 
could be something down the down the down the line. Oh, listen, maybe they should have a. Maybe it could be at the Winter Olympics. Who knows? Snowball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, you yeah, might get going to that one. Yeah, you might have to. You, <laughs> you might have to be. Uh, you might have to send in a, an email or a letter or something. Send yeah. them. Send them a link to your video, and you know we we could be, we could be seeing yeah. you winning a with an Olympic medal soon enough. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that'd be gas, wouldn't it? Deadly, that is that is yeah. unreal. Well, um, Paul, I do really appreciate you taking the time oh, to, to come and listen, Killian. I, yeah, um, listen, I, I, I just want to say, listen, well done. Love what you're doing, man. Thanks, such Henry. a young age to kind of to to put yourself out there. It's a uh, it's fair play, you know. And uh, as I said, same same with the injuries. Just keep keep persevering with it, man. Persevering with it, man. Thanks, and, Sean, Yeah. You know, hopefully, ho- hopefully, takes off. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I really do yeah, appreciate yeah. it, and um, you never know. Maybe when you get your gold medal in the Winter Olympic mile, we'll be having you back on the podcast soon yeah, yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe you might be having Joe Rogan on your podcast or something like that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, will, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have, I'll have him on mine. Fingers yeah, yeah, crossed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, him on yours. Yeah, maybe, 100%. maybe, yeah, uh, maybe he ran for the bus one time a few weeks ago. We'll, yeah. we'll have him on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. But uh, no, I do yeah. really, really appreciate you and. Uh, also everyone watching or listening at home I do really appreciate you and I'll see you all next time bye